a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and minister the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, maybe. The, maybe. the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that shall be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more well, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> The Novocaine of radio, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> what about the dentist chair of radio? How about I that? I don't know. There's the kind of more numb, is a little bit more numbing than it is. Why the dentist chair? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know either. I don't know what I'm talking about. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, though, and on our fancy-dancy website, tabletalkradio.org, uh, there are a few table scraps you might be interested in. Did you know these got posted, Pastor Wolf? I saw. I saw someone posted that up there. So you posted it up there. If uh, you want to hear a really crappy audio version of a conversation that Pastor Wolfmiller had with uh, Pastor Warren Graff about the Heavenly Council. Uh, yeah. Uh, did it, Was that like a, a phone tap from Carrie or something like that? That's Is, right. She That's right. <laughs> tapping the phone line and... And then you found out, and you're like, hey, we could use this for Table Talk Radio. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then also you were talking somewhere that, about... That's like the, uh, what is that, the guy who's late at night and he's talking to the state farm person? She <laughs> yeah. sounds hideous. It's because he's a he. <laughs> that's what Carrie said about Pastor Graff. <laughs> he sounds hideous. She well, sounds hideous. <laughs> Anyway, and then the that's an important conversation, though, about the Heavenly Council, uh, where we put the um, the do- the biblical doctrine of the Heavenly Council out there for all to rejoice in. Uh, and so um, so go ahead and take a listen to that, dear listener. You'll enjoy. Uh, and the other good. thing to, to help you get through Table Talk Radio episodes would be the segments on Christian suffering, right? Yes. So those are up. Yes, it's basically a how to listen to Table Talk Radio <laughs> thing on Christian suffering. So good. That's good. Good. Uh, three sessions, one hour long each. About is how that went. So all right. Yeah. So all that is at tabletalkradio.org. Now in we haven't done the table scraps in a long time. I know. In today's broadcast of Table Talk Radio, we're going to be. Doing a little, how big of a missionalist are you? Oh man, my favorite game. Yeah, 
And uh, then we're going to be responding to your emails and playing the game uh, Bible Bee, maybe. And yeah, if we get that far, I'm not. It's not looking good though. Once we get the audio of a mission list, <laughs> it's all over. It's basically all over. <laughs> yes, and uh, I think there was another game we're going to play, which is not coming to me at the top of my head. Uh, we had sure. another email. Not I sure. also don't know. Yeah, we're just going to be playing How Big of a Mission Start. That's pretty much all you can expect in today's edition yep. of Table Talk Radio. But first, buzzwords. Pastor Wolfhiller? My buzzword for you is repentance. I don't know if we've ever done that as a buzzword. Yes, we have. Repentance has two parts. The first is contrition, which is when the law, the Holy Spirit, brings the law to us and it does its work of showing us our sins. That's uh, contrition. And then the second part of repentance is faith, where we hear the promise of the gospel and believe it. Nice. Um, my theological buzz phrase for you is growth in doctrine. Oh, nice. Um, this is kind of like when your doctrine, your uh, what revelation from God is like a chia pet. <laughs> and uh, you know how you got to feed and water the thing, and then it, it starts to grow. That is how your belief could be if you're like a Mormon or uh, anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> growth and doctrine. So it's the belief that God continues to reveal and develop new doctrines in the church today. So uh, in contrast, um, we don't believe this. We believe that God has revealed what he wants to to us in the person of Jesus, as told by the prophets and in the apostles, as recorded in Holy Scripture. So if you want to see what God wants you to know about himself, then just open up the Bible. Uh, that is uh, what we need to know. However, there are some that believe that God continues to reveal. So he might give a New Testament, or he might speak unto your hearts, or whatever else, or send a pope, or whatever your <laughs> favorite flavor of this might be. That is growth in doctrine. Yeah, that's in, it's, uh, it's, gr the growth in doctrine is part of our doctrine of enthusiasm. Remember our enthusiasm, which is the internal word? Uh, or anything that denies the sufficiency and clarity of the external word, and the doctrine, the, the idea that doctrine grows is um, is right in there with that. Yeah. So the the growing that sounds like a, a growth that's coming out of your head or something like that. It's not that, a good thing. No, that's right. We should think about you know you should think about a tumor. When everyone <laughs> so says doctrine grows, you say, oh, you have a cancerous doctrine, and that's right. It's not the healthy doctrine that t that Paul talks about to Timothy. Uh, so now th this is a, I think it's an important thing because you, ha it, this growth in doctrine takes all kinds of stripes, um, because you can imagine if doctrine's growing, if you're making up a growing doctrine, because we know that the good doctrine doesn't grow. It's a stab It's the faith once for all delivered to the saints, says, uh, uh Jude. But if you're growing the doctrine, you, it's going to be growing, uh, you know, in the way that you like. So if you're a liberal doctrine happens to be growing, uh, in a particularly liberal direction, and uh, and it happens to match with all the trends of society. If you're a conservative, then doctrine is growing, you know, in the, this particular way. Or if you are individually have a, doc a growing doctrine where Jesus is revealing his secret will for your own life to you uh, every day, it's no surprise that this always happens to match it up with what we like. Shock. Shock. Okay, All right. so now we're going to dive into how big of a Michelinist are you? Pastor Wolfman, will you explain the rules of this game? The rules are we listen to a missionified missionalist and determine how missionarific they are. Simple. 
We have at some point uh, criteria for that. Um, I bet that's on a website, huh? Yeah, probably on the website that's uh, like tabletalkradio.org, like on the articles tab. At some point, I don't even know if we're going to need the criteria, but the criteria are like, do you cost a lot of money? Do you hate pastors? Um, I'll, I'll go through it. Are you uh, hyper Sola, Sola uh, Missio. Oh, yeah. Everything in the Bible. Oh, yeah. You can quiz me. That means everything in the Bible is about the mission. The okay. mission, the mission, the mission. Despise doctrine. Uh, or, sorry, you, sorry, sorry. Vocation. Easy. Vocation. Oh, yeah. So vocation is the office the Lord has given to us. Uh, now, there's the vocation of Christian. That's inside the church. That means to be baptized and believe in Jesus. But then you have other vocations like father, mother, husband, and citizen, and all this sort of stuff. The, the missionalist doesn't have the categories of vocation. It's either it's either mission work or it's not, no good work at all. Okay. Despise the sacraments. Uh, that is because... Jesus gives faith and strengthens faith in baptism of the Lord's Supper, but the missionalist doesn't have that doctrine. They've lost the efficacy of the Scripture. So really, um, you have uh, uh, no sacraments at all, and and everyone's got to have their. It's it's almost like if you could imagine that the um, the the Bible is like a struggling sixty-five-year-old man, and uh, and you got to do something to enhance his virility. That's how the Mishalist sees the scripture. So, all right. Hope that um, image helps. Despise doctrine, the pure kind. Yeah. Uh, the Mishalist is always not about the teaching. You know, you can be uh, this incessant purification of doctrine they consider to be dangerous to the church. It's about deeds, not creeds. Because creeds divide, whereas love unites and such and so forth. Okay. Despise Christian maturity. Uh, yes, the Mishalist. Is not particularly interested in, um, in discipleship in a way. You, you know, I mean, it, it, that's a kind of buzzword. We, so maybe we should look out for it. But rather, it's um, y- y- the so, idea so this of is the, this is the kind of the catchphrase. Um, the church was given for those who are not yet there. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. But, I was told like my first day at the first Winkle, the church exists for those who are not yet there. Oh yeah, that's right. So it's not about it's not about becoming mature in Christ. It's 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 rather you just gotta become a Christian. Everything is about getting people in the church. Yeah. Okay. Despise the ministry. Uh, that has to do with despising the sacraments as well, because the pastor is the guy with the sacraments. But if you don't have the sacraments, the pastor becomes, uh, well, a stumbling block probably. Yeah. I don't need some guy to tell me what to believe. You know. Despise church rites. R i t e s. Yeah, that means you you reject the liturgy, and that's like that's like the sine qua non of the missionalist. You know, you got to hate the liturgy. Uh, use really trendy buzzwords. The, uh, that's obvious. Uh, the church is a training facility to equip, not give; sending, oh, not forgiving. Oh yeah, that's an important sort of thing. This is the uh, the idea is that the church is not there to forgive sins, but rather, you know, the missionalist understands the church there uh, to a train to train people to go out and be part of the mission. Mission, 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 remember? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, the church is organic, not supernatural. Oh, that's so annoying. Church is a body, but, you know, has babies and stuff. All right, we need to take a break. We'll be right back. And I'll write your name. 
Table Talk Radio, where the table really should do the talking. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing How Big of a Missionalist Are You? And if you want to send us comments or questions, the email address is questions at tabletalkradio.org. Or you can hey, give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. A couple more here. Did we ever set up, did we, did we ever set up the email answers at Table Talk Radio for the Calvinists who never no. have questions, only answers? No. Nope, because no. we, have we lost all of our Calvinist listeners now? Yes. We haven't heard from our official Calvinist blogger in years. Yeah, I know. I'm weeks. I think he was upset that you never made that little sticker for him that he wanted to... This 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 blog is approved by a Lutheran or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I have a few more. Um, number eleven, uh, movement, How not many institution. Are there in this thing? There's twelve. This... Movement, okay. not institution. What's that one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it's everything's changing. I was meditating on this driving to work this morning about how. You know, everything changes so fast these days. It's it's really, I mean, so we see this especially like with our Democratic presidential, uh, uh, what are they called? Thingies. People. Yeah, thingies trying to become the Democrat, the nominee for the Democrats. And it's a, it's a tricky business because, you know, they used to be for marriage a couple of years ago, and now they're against marriage and therefore whatever. And this is the... Um, uh, it, it, you just wonder if it's ever safe to st- believe something because it changes, you know, like like, for example, if I if I worship this way, I have a certain way to worship. You know, we do do the liturgy and all that sort of stuff. Now, now, if, if that might be OK today, but if, if it's always changing, then is it going to be all right in 10 years? And and the the the, the, the missionalists have to wonder, I mean, they have the contemporary worship now, but what's it going to be in 10 years? It's got to always keep changing. So you can never have any comfort that you're actually right or doing the right thing because it's always, always got to be changing. And that's one of the natures of a movement rather than an institution is everything is always shifting. And they'll say, you know, Christianity is a move. We're not an institution. We're a movement, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's a, hor- a horrifying and discomforting uh, way to think about the world, in fact. Uh, yes, I agree. Okay, last I'm one is it. cost other people a lot of money. Yeah, that's right. Click the donate button on our website. That's the <laughs> missionalist way. By the way, or, or Table Talk, Talk Radio, Radio is yeah. considering <laughs> your donations, tabletalkradio.org. Okay, um, so the, we have a little checklist here. We check them off as we hit the ones that we just discussed, and then we have a tally at the end. If you if you hit two to four marks, you're missional. If you're five to seven, you're missionarific. And if you're eight or higher, you're hyper-missionified. Okay, so you can use this checklist at your local district convention. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So today's material for uh, your consideration of how big of a missionist are you is underwritten by the Northwest District of the L- <laughs> of the LCMS. And uh, speaking on this, they have all kinds of videos, by the way, for in case you're interested in destroying your church, you can uh, get those on the LC or the uh, Northwest District website. The voice you hear is Dr. Diane Zimke. She's author of Being Smart About Congregational Change, and she's a planning member for the Northwest District President's Summit on Congregation Legacy. 
And here it is. If anything, if any oh. name sounds made up, that does. Dan Zimke? Yeah. No, no, about. no, no. That title. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The Legacy Planner? Uh, That's let's like... see. This is the Northwest District President's Summit on Congregation Legacy. Oh, boy. There it is. Okay. So here we go. Oh, I'm Dr. Diane Zemke. In this presentation, we'll be talking about congregational decline and what it looks like. So uh, not only uh, are you, you know, hyper missionified, but you can be a hyper missionified church consultant. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Huh? That's that, a good gig if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, just, the, ask, the, the, just ask Mission Vision in 1962. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Mission Vision knows how to get the job. It's by being a complete failure as a pastor, by the way. You drive a couple churches into the ground with your thing, and finally no one wants you, so you get to go on a book tour. All right. Well, let's, let's hear the video as it tells us. Decline is part of a normal congregational life cycle. And it eventually oh, this comes... life cycle business. Okay, so ah! I, so here are the stages. You can't see it because you can't see the video, but you have a uh, a little uh, line here. It's like on a it's on a graph, an x y axis graph, and at the bottom is formation. Then it shoots up to growth, and then plateaus in the middle, and then it goes to decline, and then the last stage is death. And that is <laughs> apparently. Right. Part of the normal uh, congregational. <laughs> oh, well, but it has to be. But there's a dotted. Know, this, is, this is this the missionified thing where the church is a what would it call a by an organism. Remember the biological organism. Yep, yep. That's exactly what this is. So okay. hey, biological organisms. They're born. They grow. They die. Yeah. Uh, now so there it's is natural. there is a dotted line between plateau and death, right by decline. That is marked renewal. So if you would listen to the uh, stages or, you know, the, the techniques that are presented here, you can be saved from death and into the, what, this wisp of renewal and back into growth. So that's, that's this is what the we call here. it in the normal life. We call this a midlife crisis. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay. So let's figure out how to get our 65 year old that's going to get a new convertible. Okay. We needed more convertibles at this church. Okay, carry on, please. I'm sorry for congregations. It begins slowly, perhaps over a decade or more. If you're not paying close attention, you won't notice. You can explain it away as key families going and not being replaced, of economic downturns, of things just being a little stale. You think next year will be better, or you'll just get a new program going, emphasize stewardship more, or push Are on you evangelism. playing really sappy music in the background, or is that part of the video? Oh, no, that's me. I want to make sure there's sappy music in the background of this video. No, it's in the video, of course. Um, but I, I wanted to... This is like funeral home music. <laughs> it's like perfect for decline, you know? It's like... <laughs> that's right. Uh, Towards the end, when you get the techniques, it'll be like hip-hop music because <laughs> we're trendy and awesome. Um, I, 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 I liked how she would dismiss things like the economy in decline or, um, yeah. you know, key families Don't. moving away because, you know, that could be a legitimate thing. I've noticed how a lot of the, a lot of congregations in the LCMS popped up when, uh, the economy was, was going well and families were having lots of children and babies and we had, um, it made good sense to have a lot of congregations. And if the, uh, if the LCMS shrinks in that way, that we're not having lots of children, 
then it would make sense that the Lord might close some of those things, and to no fault of their own, they maybe preached pure doctrine their entire lifespan, but it might just be the case that those buildings can't continue on forever. Typical Fort Wayne. You hate the lost. Oh, sorry. That kind of rhetoric is is protecting you from seeing the true spiritual poverty of a church in decline, like this lady (laughs) is about to tell us about. Okay, so we'll get the true answer here. It has nothing to do with the economy or anything else. It has to do with the life cycle. Here it is. A little harder. So decline can be really rolling by the time a congregation actually recognizes it for what it is. Mm. At this point, it's extremely difficult to pull out of. What fuels decline is what made a congregation so successful in the first place. It's culture. Do you want to comment on that? Culture. (laughs) So what made—let's just kind of analyze that a little bit. What made a church—let's just take the middle part out. What made a church so successful in the first place was its culture. Right. Hmm. No, this is, uh, uh, of course, I mean, this is all, the, the the whole church growth program, which is what being a missionalist is, by the way, is driven by these social sciences, which um, think that you can consider a church um, uh, apart from the gospel. It's just, it's almost a completely secular way. I mean, even to talk about a church being healthy or not is... Um, is a completely secular way of thinking about the church. And that's what this is. You know, you have church culture. Now, you could have, I mean, it's true, you could have mean people at church, uh, and then you have nice people at church. And it's better, it's easier for people who aren't members of the church to come to church where there's nice people. But this uh, this idea that it's a, it's a success or failure, it, 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 even the idea that success or failure is a category that we should use to describe the church is... Uh, uh, wrong-headed in and of itself. So would this be a despising of doctrine or a despising of the ministry? Uh, not yet. It's getting there. <laughs> I mean, it's getting there. All right. You're, you're having me on the edge of my seat. Oh, no. Look, my video just reset. So tell you what. Let's take a commercial break. I'll yeah. get the video queued up back where we left off, and then uh, we'll continue on. This is, these are the marks of congregational decline underwritten by the Northwest District of the Lutheran <laughs> Church, Missouri Synod. And uh, we'll love your comments on this. If you can send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or you can give us a call. The phone number is 1-800-385-SOLO, 1-800-385-7652. Also, we do have, um, as we mentioned before, the the uh, table scraps up now on our website, tabletalkradio.org. And on that website, you'll also find a beautiful, gorgeous yellow donate button. <laughs> oh, yeah. See how I do this? Uh, and if you would consider helping out the ongoing efforts of because, Table Talk Radio. Because the reason we're declining is the same reason we were successful, our culture. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we've been holding on to those uh, original Table Talk Radio <laughs> listeners have, who are also now dying. So we, now we are, too. We haven't changed. Is that, what they, is that what they mean by that? Hey, all these people are dying? Is that... Uh, I don't know what that means. That's not big. Okay, we'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio after this, and we'll continue playing How Big of a Missionalist Are You right after this.
exhausting the myth that practice makes perfect. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Oh, I thought you were going to start singing. You usually do. Welcome back uh, to Table Talk Radio. The hook brings me back. It's true. Indeed it does. Just like uh, this show and this video we're listening to on the Mark's Oh, yeah. This is riveting decline. stuff. What are we talking What is this lady's name again, and what's her deal? Uh, I was at the beginning open screen. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> um, but this is uh, what fuels decline, this is congregational decline, is what made a congregation so successful in the first place. It's culture. Right. Okay, so we'll uh, continue on hearing more of this video, Marks of Congregational Decline. Place. It's culture. This culture was closely adapted to its founding circumstances, its early stories and expectations, which created those beloved rituals. The problem is time has moved on, often by 50 years or more, while the congregation's way of being church is not. Members have become very attached to their way of doing things, and the congregation overall has lost touch with the community around it. Okay, this is obviously one big pretext for the liturgy. I mean, are right. you are you? Here? I mean, okay. So, <clears throat> I like how these church growth gurus don't realize that the liturgy has has crossed generations upon generations upon generations and cultures upon cultures upon cultures, and now we think, oh, in the last fifty years. The liturgy can't survive. Well, in fact, we're going to have to ditch this thing that's 2,000 years old if that's we're right. going to expect to continue into the next 10 years. You know what the, one of the marks of an, a mission list that we do not have on here that should be like the chief mark of a mission list is that it's, uh, it tempts us to emergency thinking. Mm, that's know? true. We, always are, the mission list is putting us in crisis. And and uh, now this how this is. Uh, can you recognize a congregational a congregation in decline? You might not even have noticed it, but it's there. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I know. Uh, here's some marks of a congregation in decline. Uh, uh, people aren't as excited as they used to be. The church is older than it once was. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a trick. It's always going to be older. I mean, <laughs> tomorrow's it's going to be older than it is today. But now you got to get these things that just sometimes happen in a church, and you got to get everyone worked up about it. Now, why? What is the purpose of the crisis? Crisis destroys vocation. So, if you want to be a vocation destroyer, in other words, a consultant, then what you have to do is put everyone in crisis mode. Okay. Hold on, I'm still typing it into the thing, into the list. Yeah. Everything is in crisis mode. In fact, this could just be how to tell if you're a Michelinist, is you put everyone in crisis mode. Everyone's got their emergency, you know? Okay, so number 13 on our thing is leads others, oops, S, others, leads others to think in terms of emergency or crisis. Yes, okay, that's good. And that's what's going on here. Can you hear it? All right. I can. Okay, we'll continue. So what does a congregation in decline look like? It's easy to think a congregation is in decline because it's struggling with attendance and with finances. We focus on attendance and finances because that's the data that Synod looks at each year, and it's easy to measure. But numbers and budget don't begin to tell the whole story. 
For example, a congregation might not be making budget because the local factory closed, yet it has some vibrant ministries. In decline? Probably not. Oh. Or a congregation might have low numbers and is I, struggling to I can't believe that she budget. actually allowed for the idea that there could be a congregation not in decline. <laughs> but it's going to be this is going to be really interesting. So uh so not having enough money to pay your to to meet your budget is not a show, uh, a mark of decline. So you know what I think you're right. What this is pushing towards is the mark of decline is are you using the liturgy? <laughs> Your might your congregation might be meeting its budget obligations and even growing in membership, but if you're using the liturgy, you might not recognize that you are in decline. Well, okay, so if if um if you're a, a, a congregation in the Northwest District and you're calling a pastor, the information you'll get from district uh is first like the self study guide, right? And um and part of this is trying to determine what kind of a congregation you are. And the the bad mark on that little scale is called a legacy congregation, meaning that you're interested in keeping the legacy, keeping the traditions, but you're not really interested in missions. I mean, this is this is just a horrible thing. So it's what we used to call a maintenance ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we call it a legacy ministry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. okay. Got to keep up with these trendy... That's right. Oh, oh, wait. That's that's one of the marks on here. Um, oh yeah, trendy buzzwords. Trendy buzzwords. Legacy ministry, rather than a maintenance ministry. Okay, <clears throat> I'm glad. I want to be hip with the missionalists. So yes, you do. Okay, we'll continue. Because it's new, in decline, definitely not. So let's look at some other indicators that aren't tracked as easily, but might be more important. In a declining congregation, the average age of attendees has increased by quite a bit. People are See, aging out of... <laughs> What's that? That's a trick. I mean, you know how... you know my The average age of my congregation is one year older than it was last year. <laughs> that, that is a sign that your congregation is in decline. <laughs> and next month, it's going to be one month older oh, than it is decline, this year. Oh, decline, decline. I mean, this is, I, I suppose it's not 100% true because we got a lot of babies coming around and the, it's the babies that keep it, you know, from, you know. But this is a, not having babies is a bigger problem. That's a culture in decline, I suppose. Okay. Okay, we'll continue. Age increasing. I got it. And then, I mean, you can't see the screen, but it has these flash screens of all these old people. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What if you were watching this and said, "Hey, that's me"? <laughs> well, I'm not that old. <laughs> that's, that's like when you're when you're watching the news and they have a story on obesity and they cut away to the clips of people walking down the street. And you're like, "Man, I hope I never see myself in one it's of those." It's just clips. it's just their bellies though; their heads are cut off. You know, it's just. <laughs> that's like, that's oh right. man, they're carrying an ice cream. I'm like the <laughs> example of a church in decline. Oh man! <laughs> and just remember, everybody: old people do not need the gospel. Yeah, that's right. That's your that's your missionalist point number three or whatever. Uh, <laughs> your n most number one rant. Oh yeah, is that old? If the church has only old people, that somehow, you know, right. doesn't mean means it's not a real church. Obviously, obviously, we only care about young people. Duh. Right. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Continue. The congregation or can't participate easily anymore. Younger members are leaving or have left because of poor fit. People what does that begin mean, to poor focus. Fit? 
I think that means the young people think, oh, I don't really fit into this congregation because they're all so old. So we're going to go somewhere else. Oh, okay. It's not like the, like the pews are the wrong size or something. No, it's not like that. They oh, feel man. uncomfortable because there's too many old people there. Right, right. They want to they send tweets to the people at church with them, but there's no one on the Twitter. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Okay. So we don't fit the at this church. church. Hardly anyone's on Twitter. Versus doing ministry. Maintenance, <laughs> which for many was a habit starting during the plateau stage of life, becomes more urgent. The congregation oh. becomes increasingly inward-looking. The congregation has the same leader families, and there hasn't been a handoff of leadership, which should have happened in early plateau a couple of decades ago. Oops, you Younger or skilled leaders have left in frustration at not being able to try new approaches. Those remaining are tired and often worried or burning out. Little is going on aside from Sunday morning and maybe a small weekly Bible study or the women's group. People are tired and won't volunteer for much. Ministry has been relegated to the pastor. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and say a few words about that? Yeah, I, I just this, this is a description of every church always from the point of the time of the apostles until now. I mean, that, that people are volunteered, that people are upset, that oh, there's a few families that do everything and hardly anyone else does anything, that the main thing of the church is Sunday morning. I mean, this is... Uh, you know, in fact, a part of this is that um, when we start to gather the opposite of these things, you know, I mean, it should be. So the younger members leaving, that's bad. I mean, when people are leaving your church, when, they, when they're when they at your church and then they're leaving your church, you should say, hey, what, you know, what's going on? But sometimes they leave because they don't believe in Jesus. Uh, and th- that's okay. You know, right. Or, I mean, if suppose, you know, a, a pastor is, is saying, uh, hey, we should, um, uh, I don't know, practice the Lord's Supper in the way the Lord taught us and and demonstrate unity of doctrine, unity of faith. And simply like, hey, I don't like that, so I'm going to go over to the ELCA church or something like that. Uh, right, that's right, right. not really a problem that, oh, I don't fit in here because all the old people, right. you know. Right, that's right. Yeah, and and now the uh, the idea that the ch- uh, uh, a healthy church is marked by all of this activity that's going on aside from the Sunday morning service mm-hmm. is simply a faulty gauge. I mean, Jesus institutes the church for preaching and baptism. That's why the church is there. Now, the church is free to do all sorts of other things. You know, you can do other stuff, but I, I I'm worried. That one of the the problems of these hyper missionified churches is that you establish so many church activities that you're pulling people away from their vocations. Oops. I mean, I think if we could say if we could just have church on Sunday morning and say, all right, everyone come and uh, you know hear the hear the preaching of the word and receive the Lord's body and blood and come to the Bible class and Sunday school and confirmation and learn the Lord's word and then take it home with you. And read your Bible and pray with your family and work hard and we'll see you next Sunday. That that's great. Yes. That's not something to be ashamed of. That reminds me a little bit of the pietists historically. Didn't they uh, say, well, look, church is for the nominal Christians, but we're going to go out and do our little small groups and we're going to be real Christians. Yes. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio after this.
Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. Turn it up. Turn it up. That's what I said. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. You know, Pastor, I don't think we're going to get to yes. other games here. I don't either. <laughs> Who wants to be a missionalist? It's all in company. It's, you know, missional, it's, missionalism is life, you know. It's a, it draws you in. It's, it's, now, it's just, it's just, this is not just a one-segment proposition. It's true. Now, before the break, we were talking about how um, one of the critiques or one of the marks that a congregation is in decline is that people just come to church on Sunday and maybe a Bible study, but not much else going on at church. I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of people. Go home, people. <laughs> this is a, this is a, maybe I'm not a missionless because I'm not happy when people are just hanging around church. I'm like, get you know, go take care of your kids. And we're we're trying to do all this stuff. You know, we got the around the word devotion, and we got this rightly divided daily Bible meditation blog, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and the purpose for that is so that people can study the Bible and read it with their families at home and do that during the week and rejoice in that. And that is good. You know, uh, that's what we're after. Uh, you don't need to be at church all the time and come to meetings all these time. But you have these, you know, these the all, all these kind of church growth consultants who were around in the um, in the. Uh, I don't know when they were around in the seventies when everyone liked to be in leagues, you know, they joined the bowling league and the men's league and everyone was finding their kind of identity by being in a league. And it's just, it's very different. I mean, I don't need to join anything. I'm the member. I'm a member of like 60 different, you know, secret Facebook groups where uh, I could, I'm trying to avoid being, you know, all wrapped up in all this stuff. Yeah, it's true. Um, You know, Southern Oregon is a is kind of a favorite place for people to retire, um, particularly uh, people from somewhere in California like to move across the border and uh, and settle down in uh, in Southern Oregon, and so um, I've noticed that there's all kinds of various clubs around. So there's uh, I was talking to someone about an old fiddlers club, um, so they sit around and they practice their fiddling. And I, you know, I had no idea. There's all, I mean, there's a club, anything you can think of. Um, there's a, a kind of a social interest club. Um, and I think that, again, that's just the way people interacted. But I'm afraid that's not the way people interact today. So that um, someone today wants to, uh, you know, keep in touch socially, and, and they do so not by joining the local club, but they do so through various electronic Ways of texting, uh, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, and so if you I don't even know what you're talking about, I mean, I've heard, I've read articles about this kind of thing, um, but it's <laughs> true you that you're out into the unknown. <laughs> but it's true that I I can keep in touch with all my friends from school if I want to, even though they live a thousand miles away, and so it's not like I've moved to a new place. Like, boy, I need to find some friends quick, or else I'll go crazy. I better go join the local quilting club. You know, right, right. Although I would suggest joining the quilting club, nothing wrong with it. No, it's great. Is, I love this quilts. This is not a way to, especially when it's cold out. I, this is not a way to kind of judge the healthiness of a church by how many non-sacramental activities it has, you know. And when they use the word, this lady uses the word ministry. I'm a little suspicious. 
you know? Ah, yeah, that was... Now, see, I already wrote down despise the ministry for that reason. Or no, I wrote down uh, despise... I guess the ministry. So so that... I don't know. I suppose there's a, a way of talking about ministry as a general service for the neighbor. So there'd be a ministry small m. But I think that there's a narrow sense of the word that is probably better in a way that we should restrict our talk in the church, and that is to talk about the serving that goes on of the pastor to the people with word and sacrament. After oh, all, you are such that's a typical Fort what Wayne the divine call is all about. So right. that, I mean, when, the, when she says, oh, this church in decline uh, gives all of the ministry to the pastor, I say, good! <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what he's been called to do, is to serve the people with what? God's gifts of forgiveness through word and sacrament. That's why he is there. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, to say that, you know, the people not involved in that is not a, a sign of congregational decline. Right. Okay, let's keep going. All right. The key question about whether to engage in ministry is if it will bring in new people, not if it will further the gospel. People say, we need more young families so we can make budget to keep the church alive. The focus is not now, on that's the well-being a good point, of the families. But I think I'm, that's a that's a the, probably the best thing that's been said so far, and I think that's right. Is that we uh, one of the dangers that we have is uh, is that we make the uh, the gospel kind of a um, a means to an end. It's, you the, know? it's so the, the sales pitch. You're right. That's right. We're gonna you know hey hey we're, let's do this thing because this kind of bait and switch sort of thing. And I'm glad to see. The church consultants say, hey, um, we shouldn't do bait and switch. But the problem is I'm, I'm so afraid that most church growth is not bait and switch. It's just bait and bait. <laughs> it actually never gets around to the gospel. Right. Well, yeah, because once the switch happens, people leave, right? <laughs> right. I mean, if, if you've got them there on something other than pure doctrine, then if you try to go to doctrine, they're going to leave, right? I mean, right. hey, it. I was here for the cotton candy. Where's the cotton candy? You quit giving right. me cotton candy, I'm out of here. Yep using them to support the congregation. When new people do come, they're treated poorly and not allowed a seat at the leadership table or the idea table. The congregation refuses to adapt to the needs of new people. Members are openly frustrated with the noise and mess children make. They don't understand the pressured lives of young families today and they're unprepared for the number of single parent families. Oh, that's interesting. The congreg- yeah, that is interesting. I mean, just it's just an interesting point that um, uh, one of the marks of a of a church is uh, of a what would it say a declining church is um, is it's unready for um, for what did it say single single, single parents? Yeah. That is really interesting. Well, I mean, I think, I think again, there'll be a seed of truth in this. I don't know if it's a mark of a congregational decline, but um, probably something that people should be aware of that, hey, we shouldn't be getting such a fuss over kids that make kid noises right. in church. And uh, we should be thinking about, because there is certain, um, uh, definitely a struggle for single parents and um, the ways that a church might be able to help out. Like maybe if this, if the single mom brings in three kids, someone else can help, you know, watch the kiddos in the pew or something like that. I mean, there's, 
Yeah. But I mean, look at this is the problem is that there's a this is a incredibly kind of frustrating way to to um to look at the world because I mean every basically every grandparent is going to be um you, at some time you reach a time when you don't uh when when you don't have kids around where the mess of kids bothers you sure and and that's a human sort of thing and what i always worry about with all this church growth nonsense is that you're basically trying to dehumanize people you're trying to you should act as if you're not a human being and that kind of um uh that kind of teaching you know hey uh um you need to act differently than uh than you really are um is not helpful right do you see what i'm saying yes absolutely um so that uh maybe something that would be helpful um would be to um you know bring actual uh names into this <laughs> so Someone, someone's upset and say, "Yeah, what did you think when little Susie uh, was so fussy? Do you think, you think her mom Julie could have uh, done something different? Because now you're not just dealing with these noises; you're dealing with people. <laughs> right? You're, you're you're putting actual names to this, and and what are ways that we can actually help our neighbor versus silence the problem? Right. Okay. That's it. More of the same grasps at renewal strategies, even ones that seem like a poor fit. Renewal strategies can sound great on paper. <laughs> this is true. You know when church goes crazy, it's like when a person can't get a cure for cancer. Or the same. And and they're trying to, you know, so then they go to all the kooky, you know, doctors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> I'm glad you identified I'm glad the church growth doctor identified that. <laughs> Data show that renewal initiatives during significant decline have a poor chance of success. Frequently, there are not enough organizational resources, emotional and spiritual resources, or time the whole for renewal strategies of this is so secular. to succeed. Right. So I think you know we could write our own marks of congregational decline, and it's when the leaders in your church start quoting stats from sociology. You're in <laughs> congregational decline. Yeah. I mean, that's right. We should maybe work on that a little bit. Okay, so we just have uh, about thirty seconds or more uh, left here. And I are you counted, kidding me? I counted one, two, three, four, five. I'm sure there were a few more. We have uh, about a minute left in this video, but I caught five in there. Uh, let's see, number number uh, ten, um, church is organic. Number thirteen leads others to think in terms of emergency. Number two. Despise vocation, number six, despise the ministry, and number seven, despise church rights. So that makes this video missionarific. Oh, yeah. There you go. Congratulations. (laughs) I'm sure we should send this on to this lady with our congratulations that she reached that level. Yes. And if we give her the information, hopefully next time she can be hyper missionified. <laughs> hey, why don't we just let the church be what Jesus established it to be? That sounds uh, like the, the plan. place where the gospel is preached. And that's it for Table Talk Radio, your legacy radio station. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. 